that's the biggest problem with commercial farming is that we put animals on a human schedule, not an animal schedule. Anyone who says that like a, a vegetarian or vegan diet, whatever, are like cruelty free or like death free, don't have any concept of what farming is. You can really kind of pull the curtain back and say, hey, this is who I am in my real life. And this is what I believe and this is what I do. And sometimes it's something that you want to see and sometimes it's not. When I first saw him, he was in perfect shooting lane. Like, I, man, I would have, it was absolutely perfect. But I had my phone in my hand, not my, not my crossbow. The animals are only going to do what animals do. It's the humans that can decide to either put them in a natural state or an unnatural state. This is Raymond Rowe, professional wrestler, also known as Eric from the Viking Raiders, and you're listening to The Wild Initiative. Put down your latte and pull on your boots. There's a lot of people that can pull the trigger on an animal, but they don't know what to do with it after. If you would have told me that a stupid turkey was going to make me get that excited, I would have told you you were crazy. It's just a skill that you have to perfect over a lot of years. Hunting is a tribal activity. We've lost the tribe. We can't even hunt together anymore. Well, the people that are anti-hunting are usually pro-abortion. So kill the people, save the animals. I just remember riding my horse back to camp with the northern lights and the moose behind me. And I'm like, this is why I've done this. This is as cool as an experience as I will get. Hi, this is Jim Shockey. This is Sam Sohol, the public land bus guy. Hi, I'm Kimmy Greentree. Hi, this is South Cox with the Western Bowhunter Podcast. Hey, this is Ben Dedamonte, a.k.a. Shed Crazy. You're listening to The Wild Initiative. Hey, all welcome to another episode of The Wild Initiative, brought to you as part of the Waypoint Podcast Network. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. All right, y'all. So hopping into today's episode, I have a, a bit of a unique guest with me today. Um, uh, today I have joining me Raymond Rowe. Uh, those of you who are familiar with uh, professional wrestling, uh, may know him as Eric of the Viking Raiders. Raymond is a homesteader, a hunter, a professional wrestler, got a lot of stuff going on, uh, a fairly new father. And uh, I, 
super excited to have you on. So thank you so much for joining me, man. Sure. Thanks for having me. And like you, like we were discussing earlier, I'm, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day. I know you've kind of been trying to rescue, uh, <laughs> rescue your wife, Sarah, a little bit, uh, since you, you do have to travel for work. Uh, so I appreciate it means a lot that you're willing to take this extra time out of the day. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a juggling act when I come home because, uh, because of, you know, traveling for work, I'm gone for anywhere from like three days is like a light week. Five days is kind of like a, you know, a heavy week as far as travel goes. Uh, so like she's almost, kind of a single mom when I'm gone because, you know, we live out on this farmstead. So we're 45 minutes from anything. Um, and, uh, and she's kind of just holding down the fort by herself, taking care of the cows, the chickens and, you know, and cash. Um, so when I come home, I like hit the ground running. Like it's not like, Hey, I've been on the road. I just got off a flight. It's, you know, I'm tired and I'm going to just, you know, play video games and, <laughs> you know, check, check trail cam pictures for, for a couple hours and kind of charge. I'm like, I come home and it's just like, pick up the baby and you know, we're off, off we're going. Cause like, there's a lot of stuff that she can't get done when I'm, when I'm gone. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's a challenge to, do the groceries and you know what I mean? Do, and she does an amazing job. Like, I don't know how she's able to do it as well as she does, but when I come home, I definitely am trying to like make up for time lost, you know, one, I just, I miss them. But like two, then it's like, man, like you've, you've been an all-star. Like I need to, I need to help, help pick up my, my side of this deal too. So, (laughs) so, so now here's, here's the question. What's the bigger challenge managing a free for all in the ring or managing a toddler? (laughs) Uh, so he's not he's not a toddler yet not quite yet so so right now the ring definitely uh but like he's on the verge of walking so he's like in the stage of like pulling himself up onto everything (laughs) and like uh like he's he just this morning he was he kind of like uh he got up into like a bear crawl position like on hands and hands and feet and then from there like did like a hip hinge and stood all the way up and and i looked at sarah and we were like Oh man, like this is, uh, he's about to start walking. And like for, for at that point, it's all bets are off. Cause like, like she's, she's like a crazy savage person, uh, on her own. And like, I'm myself and like my mom has always told me, she was like, you know, you're like, I didn't walk as a child. I went from crawling to running. And like, I'm sure that, that, that that's what cash is getting ready to do. So I'm just, uh, we're, you know, trying to pad up like brick corners and stuff around the house. I was going to say it's time to get all of the foam on the corners. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And like, you know, and Sarah and I like, you know, we're, he's going to have a very different life than I did. Like I grew up in the city of Cleveland, like my, my street had numbers on it, you know, and I was, uh, we, we always joke that, and like Sarah grew up on a farm, like she grew up on a farm outside of Louisville, like, at, you know, our first interactions with firearms was very, very different, uh, you know, and, and I'm, we're excited, like that he's going to grow up kind of in this rough and tumble outdoor life. You know, I'm a late onset hunter, all that stuff. So like, we're definitely kind of letting him get dirtier and he's probably going to fall down and, and get, you know, banged up more just as a kid. Cause we're going to let him be a kid. We're going to let him be wild. Uh, and that's not necessarily how people kind of do parenting these days, but 
you know, I, I feel like that's really important for us. And that's a big reason why we moved to Cleveland and why we moved down to a farm. And we wanted this experience for, you know, that, that Sarah got that I never got, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, that's an important thing that we want to raise our kid like that. Well, you know, it's funny. Like you talk about that. I grew up, I very in a very similar way. I grew up in the suburbs and uh, I didn't, I'm an adult onset hunter as well. And, you know, I didn't start hunting actually until about five years ago. Um, and you know, it's funny you mentioned, you're like, yeah, we're 40 miles from anything. I'm, I just moved about two months ago, moved out to the middle of nowhere, Montana from the city, oh, yeah. 40 miles from the nearest town. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting into the kind of homesteading stuff. Um, starting to learn about it. This is, you know, I'm, I moved right before winter, so there's not a ton I can do at the moment other than <laughs> batten down the hatches. Yeah, yeah. As I, yeah, as yeah. I look outside and I'm seeing it just dumping snow at the moment. <laughs> like, oh yeah. It's so it's actually clear today here, but it's supposed to start snowing tomorrow. Uh, but like Montana's like the wild west, man. That's, that's awesome. It's I'm, I'm really excited to kind of enjoy my first winter out here. And I'm, I'm such a cold weather guy. I mean, this is definitely going to be an experience. I, sure. I, I say I love cold weather, but when the wind starts picking it up and it starts dropping to like negative 60, I, I might question my decisions uh, come uh, January. February. So, so, so there's no such, I mean, there's no such thing as, as weather being too cold. You just have, you just don't have good enough clothes. You know what I mean? Like it, it's, it's, you're, you're able to sustain, like if you have good gear, like the weather is much less of an issue. Uh, and that was a thing that I learned, you know what I mean? Like, but I grew up in Cleveland where it's cold all the time. So like my winter coat was like a hoodie and like, if it was really, really, really cold, then I would put a hoodie on and like a work jacket, you know, yeah, like obviously yeah. going out and sitting in a tree stand for six hours at a time or something, you gotta, you gotta layer differently. But like, so for me, like it was, it was whatever, but like, yeah, it's not, there's not too cold. It's just, you just don't have the right clothes on. And see, that's one thing I've always kind of in a, in a similar way, I always told people, I'm like, here's the deal when it's, it can be too hot. Like there's oh, it yeah, gets to a point where it's so hot. You can, you can only you take can't so much off. Do anything, yeah. <laughs> and, and but too cold, you can continue to layer up. You can. There's so much you can do to mitigate too cold. So I would any day rather have it be quote unquote too cold than too hot. Oh, couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Well, you know, I I'm really excited to kind of get into this homesteading stuff, and you know, uh, when I when I first reached out, I didn't realize how involved in all of that you guys were, you know, I was kind of coming at it from more of the hunting aspect. So I was actually, as I started looking in, in into your guys' background a little bit more, I got really excited because I'm like, Oh, I get to learn stuff now about more than just (laughs) (laughs) sure. Sure. Stuff that you want to do. Yeah. What, what, um, what type of homesteading are you looking to do? Uh, it's, I, you know, I'm, I'm not totally sure. So I, I bought this property. It's, it's seven acres, 40 miles in the middle of nowhere. I'm surrounded by farmland. Basically you can see my place so flat where I am here in Montana. You can see my place for about three miles. If you know, you can just pick it out in the distance. And, uh, I'm, I'm kind of doing a mix where I'm, I'm trying to bring back a section of a few acres of the property, like plant a bunch of trees. Uh, I actually want to put in a, a lake that I can stock with fish, like a little half acre, uh, three quarter acre lake or pond. Um, you know, and then, but then I also, I, I, I've got a barn, I've got a workshop. Um, I, I want chickens, I want goats. I'd love to have, 
you know, maybe a, a pig every year that I can. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Water. And so a mix of like bringing in wild game uh, on one section of the property and then raising my own, my own animals on another section, you know, I want to plant some crops, uh, you know, little, I'm, I'm, it's seven acres. So I'm a little bit limited in how much I can, sure. do, obviously, but enough to sustain myself and eventually a family, you know? Yeah. But I mean, that's like, uh, I think part of what, uh, kind of my eyes got open to because like I, I, you know, like I said, I grew up in the city. This is not something that I ever really saw myself. Like if, if people from even 10 years ago, uh, would it, you know, said like, Hey, you're going to end up on a farm in the middle of nowhere, you know, raising, raising your own beef cattle and, and, you know, hunting and stuff like that. I've been like, dude, you're out of your mind. No, 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 I'm not. Like, I just, you know, I, I live, you know, five minutes from a grocery store my whole life. But like when Sarah and I got together, you know, uh, five or six years ago, like she was really more in touch with that type of, of lifestyle. And that's more of how she grew up and, you know, what she did. And like the more, the longer we've been together, the more she talked about it, the more she, you know, we did some research and then like, just getting back in touch with our food system and like where our food comes from and like what goes into making our food and like doing the research. And like, I feel like what the tipping point for me was uh, a lot of people will do those, that research and they'll, they'll see videos of like, um, you know, feedlots and slaughterhouses and like, you mm-hmm. know, commercial, commercial meat, you know, factory farming stuff. Um, and, and then they decide to go, like plant-based or they go, you know what I mean? They, they want to go vegetarian or vegan or whatever. And like, we saw those same things and we wanted to disconnect from the commercial meat market, but we went the other way. We want, you know, we want to be more in control of our meat. We want to find better meat. You know, I don't think the answer is no meat. It's finding better meat, good meat, sustainable meat. Um, because, you know, humans, that, that's what we're designed for. That's what, what what our body as an animal, like as an animal organism, that's what we thrive on. Um, that's what we're designed biologically to eat. So that's what we're going to eat. We just need to do it in a way that is more mindful and, um, you know, better on a, on an individual level. Uh, so that, that kind of drove us here. And like, she wanted, you know, she wanted to, she was the one that pushed for, for getting a farm and, and, and stuff like that. And like, when, when we actually started this, when COVID started, um, you know, she had lost her job from WWE. They, they released like, I don't know, 40 or 50 wrestlers. And, uh, when COVID first started mm-hmm. and, um, and, and we had been talking about it a while and we'd been planning and, and kind of like, but it was more like, um, theoretical. And then when that happened, we're like, what are we waiting for? You know, let's, let's go, let's pull the trigger. You know, so we got cows, we got chickens, you know, um, we we're talking about some other things, but like, you know, we put, we put crops in the field, uh, and like our farm is, is similar. It's just, you know, we've, we've got more, uh, thankfully we, we've, we've got more acreage. Like we've got, uh, 20 acres that are like tillable, but like five of that we've got, uh, our cows on in a pasture. And then we've got 30 acres that are wooded, um, and kind of doing, you know, we, we had some, uh, some forest regeneration done where, to kind of help that 
open up some of the canopy so that the undergrowth can come back up. And that's going to, that's going to create better bedding for, you know, deer and, you know, rabbits and, you know, ground, uh, like kind of all the ground creatures, you know, turkeys and, uh, different birds or, or whatever, you know, just all the wildlife that, that kind of surrounds us in Northern Ohio. So like, uh, it's definitely something that, for us, we were able to kind of divide that so we can have wild meat, we can have, uh, you know, farm, like, uh, grass fed, you know, farm grown meat on, on our land. And that's something that we've talked about. Like we've discussed, like maybe, you know, uh, maybe doing a pig, maybe, uh, something that we've actually been looking into a lot, uh, which might be the next one that we jump off on is meat rabbits. Um, because the, the, the need, like the land, the land required for them versus the the yield that you get back is a really high ratio. Like it's a, it's a very small, you can, yeah. um, they have a small I mean? footprint basically a hundred percent. So like for a smaller acreage, it's a really productive yield. Um, and, and, and they self replicate really, pretty easily. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, yeah, there's uh, there's a lot of sayings about that, but, um, you know what I mean? But they're, they're very, and rabbit tastes good. Like, and, and it's a, it's a healthy meat. It's really lean. If that's what, you know, that's what you're looking for. And like the way that we do our diet, we want to make sure that we have plenty of lean protein, but we also want to have plenty of, um, high fat, um, you know, kind of that, that, uh, beefy, beefy protein and stuff like that. So like, it's, uh, it's something that I, I think I'd be more inclined to do that than a pig right now. Um, you know, just because from a, what we would need to do as far as infrastructure for a pig, like I'm not ready to jump off into that, but I feel like we could, we could build a rabbit hutch and get, get, you know, some pastured rabbits pretty quickly, um, and be able to turn it around and, and, and manage that. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I think that might be our next one, uh, that we jump off to, but that right now we, we said we were going to do like one animal a year. Like we did like chickens and cows the first year. Uh, we did cash this year and then maybe, you know, next year we'll do, uh, we'll do, we'll do rabbits or, or maybe a pig. We'll see. I definitely, I definitely want to do chickens come, you know, come this spring. Cause I figure that's like the, probably the best starting point. You get the eggs, sure. you get the, it's, comparatively low maintenance oh a hundred percent and like i was just gonna ask you are you doing are you doing egg chickens or meat chickens a little bit from column a a little bit from column b okay so so what i would recommend is uh get high production eggs egg layers uh so like a lot of the meat chickens are you've got to do kind of one or the other. Um, unless you're, unless you're, you're butchering the roosters. Like if you're, if you're breeding your own, a lot of people, what a lot of people do is if they have an egg flock, they'll, um, you know, like they'll keep the hens, they'll be producing, uh, they'll be producing the eggs. If you, but you can only have so many roosters per so many chickens. Like I said, we've got about 30, uh, we have one rooster and even, even with that, some of our hens get overbred. Uh, so you don't want that, that ratio too high. Otherwise yeah. the roosters are going to fight. They're going to kill each other. Uh, it's going to be a, a bad scene. Uh, so you can separate any additional males that are born and then you can butcher them. Uh, but our, our girls, like they're great, especially in conjunction with, um, with the cows. Cause we, we keep them on pasture, they're free range. Um, so they, they go through, they help like fertilize the land cause they'll, they'll walk through and they, you know, separate the, the cow pat, the cow patties and like, um, you know, helping, helping to spread that stuff and fertilize and scratch everything up. So they're really, um, 
they're really giving back so much. And like, uh, I have way more, more fun. I've had way more fun with the chickens than I really thought I would. (laughs) Like, uh, I wasn't really sold on chickens. I definitely wanted cows, but I was like, "Ah, I don't really, I feel like chickens seem like a lot of work and they just, you know, not like, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't really want them. Uh, I'm so glad that, that we got them uh, because we were just like, you're talking about it. We're like, nah, maybe, I don't know. And then we went to tractor supply and uh, came home with like, (laughs) <laughs> I don't know, like 18, 18 chicks or something like that. It's and like, tough uh, when you see them all there, like under the, the oh, heat lamps so in the middle yeah. of the thing, you're yeah, like, yeah. it's the little chickens. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and they were really fun. Like they're really fun. Uh, they've all got their own like little personalities and like different breeds kind of have different personalities too. And like, so we've got, I don't know, four or five different breeds in the, in the coop. And then uh, we've got a really, really good rooster. So we, when we first got them, we didn't have a rooster. We just had the chicks or just the, just the chickens. And then like, uh, we lost, I think six, five or six to a hawk, like in one day. Uh, and it was, it was right. It was hard to handle. Like Sarah and I both cried. It was cause it was the first time we had lost anything on the farm and it was, uh, it was rough, but then we've, you know, we've, we've got a, we've got a really good rooster now. And like, we haven't lost any, any chickens to predators since he's been around. Like he, so roosters really will actually keep away predators. Then I didn't realize. So that. I don't know if they keep them away as much, but they keep an eye for them. So like okay. I'll see, you'll see him, uh, like he'll alert, like if there's a hawk, like flying, he'll give out a call and you'll see from all over the farm, the chickens just run and they and they like uh converge and just go into the coop and he'll wait outside and he's giving that call like as the girls are all running up and then he'll go in um uh, so like i don't think he's necessarily gonna fight off a hawk (laughs) or like keep them away but uh uh he definitely will keep an eye out and like it's if he finds something good um you know to eat like if he finds a, a patch of something uh you know seeds or something left out he'll he'll like start eating it first and then he'll give a call and then all of a sudden you'll see you know six eight ten chickens run up and he's telling the girls like hey there's good stuff here there's good stuff here huh. uh so it's it's really cool to watch them interact and like see the rooster um do its job and like that i think that's the big part of like you know kind of going back and i think that's going to be a theme in like all of what we talk about like because it's 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 a big theme in our life like trying to let nature and animals be the animals that they're supposed to you know like i think that's the biggest problem with commercial farming is that we put animals on a human schedule not Mm -hmm. an animal schedule so like you know we're trying to get them as big as possible as fast as possible so we get them to market as quick as possible and make as much money as possible with them and that's not what they're designed to do biologically, you know? So, so animals are supposed to, they've got their own, uh, you know, growth, growth schedule and diet that they're supposed to eat and they thrive on. Um, and a lot of times we, you know, we as in like commercial farmers or something like that, won't we don't do that because they're busy. They're, you know, they're, they're making a living and they're, they're trying to trying to earn, earn a living and, and make a business out of it. So you've got to cut corners or you've got to, you know, make, make things like you're feeding the cows grain because they're going to, they're going to get fatter quicker. They're going to grow quicker. Mm-hmm. They're going to grow bigger. They're going to put more weight on. They're going to be, and you can turn them around quicker. 
and, and faster. So that's what you do. Like Sarah and I have, have made a choice that we're not going to do that. We're only going to green or uh, grass feed our cows. They're going to be grass fed. They're going to be grass finished. And the big difference, like from a commercial standpoint, like I understand because like our, our, our calves aren't going to be ready for like 30 to 36 months to get butchered. Okay. Whereas if we were grain feeding, they could be ready in like 13 months. So like, it's a huge difference to like the amount I mean, of time they have to be supported on our land. You're talking a year's difference right there. That is a yeah, huge, or more. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. makes a lot of sense. Right. So from a dollars and cents standpoint, and that's why like for us, like our farm, we want to keep it small. Like we want to feed us and our family. Like that's what we can commit to. I don't want to make, I'm, I'm not trying to make money on the farm. We're trying to invest in ourselves because like what you eat directly relates to your health and your, your longevity and like your quality of life. So like we're trying to take the best care of our animals that we can because they're going to, to take care of us. Um, and that's kind of like the, the trade-off there. Like we're trying to give them the best, most natural life possible because they're giving us the best, most natural po- um, uh, life that they can. And that's like how we approach hunting. That's how we approach farming. That's how, you know, this whole circle of life thing is supposed to work. <laughs> no, I love, I love that. And, you know, I love the idea of just being able to, you know, that's self-sufficiency. Like that's the whole, I mean, one of the, the whole purpose of homesteading, I think is, is getting back to that to where, I mean, we've all seen it through the past couple of years between COVID between the, I mean, all of the ships being, <laughs> and nobody unloading any of the ships. Um, you know, it, I haven't had to go. I know I, uh, I got my elk last year. I haven't had to go buy meat except for maybe chicken and some bacon now and again, and not even having to go buy that would be absolutely fantastic, especially living 40 miles from town. I mean, oh, yeah, <laughs> for sure. For sure. And it, it's something that like, um, because when, when everybody got scared, like when, you know, uh, when stuff, stuff started slowing down and like lockdowns are happening and people were like, um, you know, we're not, we're not sure about the supply chain. You know, there's going to be meat shortages and food shortages. Like Sarah and I decided like, we're not opening the freezer. We, we had, you know, a couple you know, I don't know, three, four deer in there. We had two black bear. We had, you know, a couple wild pigs. Like we had a very well stocked freezer from, from a successful, you know, year and a half of hunting and, um, that we were just kind of able to build up. And like, when all that happened, I was like, nope, not touching it. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to buy week to week because we know that the stores have stuff now. And like, I, we thankfully our, our area never really. Mm-hmm. dealt with any shortages, but I know I've got friends all over the country and like really in other countries as well that, that dealt with serious shortages where they couldn't find beef on the shelf. They couldn't find milk. They couldn't find whatever. And like, thankfully, like a lot of those problems aren't happening now, but like, I feel like through all this, we realize how fragile that system is. Like if one delay happens, that could create a ripple effect that really affects people's lives. So like, it's better to be prepared and it's better to, you know, to be able to kind of do things on your own, like, you know, be that self-sufficient stuff. So like we're in a much better paired, uh, a much, a much better situation being prepared than being unprepared. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. like we, we would definitely rather, rather that. And like now we're, we're, we're 
we're in a better place. So we're, you know, eating through the deer that we've gotten and stuff like that. But we're also trying to actively put, put more meat in the freezer right now. So it's, I mean, uh, it, it, as far as I'm concerned, you can really never have too much meat in the freezer. Like it's just, uh, you know, and, and until you're running out of freezer room, but then, you know, you just need to buy another freezer. It's, it's the problem. Right. Yeah, and we're, we're, we're in that spot now because we're like, okay, we've got like, you know, like I said, we, we've got a, I, man, it's one of those, like, uh, it's a chest freezer, but like we, it was here when we bought the house. Cause like it was, it's an old farmhouse. And, uh, like the guy who, who we bought the house from actually lives, like he lives like two, two farms over and he's become one of our best friends. He's like an extended part of the family now. Um, and, uh, he, he was just like, guys, if you want this freezer, I don't want to move it. He's like, we had to use a tractor <laughs> to get it down. Like, you know, the cellar stairs, like he's like, this thing is, you know, I don't know, it's four or 500 pounds. It's a big, big freezer. It's an old school, like big freezer. But that being said, we, we've come close, you know, it's not quite full right now, but we've come close mm-hmm. to filling it before. So it's like, and like, we're going to have three calves that we butcher in like 18 months. So we're going to need another freezer, you know? So we're not, we're not sure. Like there's some companies that make like, um, stuff, uh, where you can kind of make a walk-in freezer and there's like a little part in our basement where we might do that or, um, you know, just get a freezer out in the, out in the garage in the pool barn or something like that. So yeah, there's I've, options. I've considered the walk-in freezer route too. And now I've got, I've got a big old basement now with a few rooms and I'm like, Hmm. Do I really I mean, need an extra price, bathroom or? Yeah. So, and like for the price of like some of those companies uh, are really doing cool stuff. I think the technology must have changed or like the, I'm not, I'm not sure what the advancement is, but like when I, when, when I was thinking how much it was going to cost, I was like, man, that's going to be astronomical. Like that's going to be a small car. You know what I mean? And yeah. then looking into it, I was like, Oh Oh, we could do that because it's not that much more expensive than like getting a, a, a commercial freezer, like a, you know, just a, a regular freezer unit. So like, yeah. Yeah. I've looked at them. There's, I mean, there's options. They're so user-friendly with those like kits for the, uh, the window air conditioners, even that can turn it in. You're probably looking at the same company. Oh yeah. I think about Mr. Cool or something is, is what they're yeah, called or something. There's that. And then there's, there's like, a few you of them. Cool it. Yeah. There's, there's, I don't know. Instagram, like, man, they get me all the time. Oh, geez. Uh, because, it's bad. because, <laughs> because like, I'm like, I'm a gear nerd. Like I love researching different gear. I love, um, you know, try testing stuff out. Like I, you know, I'll, I'll buy stuff sometimes just to see like, Oh, Hey, I might like this. This might be cool. And then it doesn't. And then I'll either give it to somebody who I know will use it or resell it or whatever. Um, so, but I've got at all times kind of like a small, like influx outflux of things that I'm like, Ooh, this is a cool thing. I want to test this out. So like, because of that, because I'm always researching that stuff and looking at it online and shopping, like I feel like Instagram and Facebook just have me pegged. Like they, they just know <laughs> exactly. And they're like, Hey, tell me, this is a thing you want to spend money on. And I was like, Ooh, yeah, I kind of do. So, Oh man, I feel personally attacked by this conversation right now. I, <laughs> I relate to it too much. You know, it's funny. You were, you were talking earlier, uh, you know, and, and anyone that's listened to the podcast for a while is probably laughed when you said this, because I say it word for almost word for word all the time. If you would talk to anyone that knew me 10 years ago, they, and, and, uh, or if you'd even talk to me 10 years ago and said like, yeah, you're going to be living on 
uh, this farm out in BFN, Montana, you know, with a, and you're going to be this bearded tattooed, you know, guy that goes hunting all the time. I would have laughed you out of the room. Anyone that knew me would have laughed you out of the room. And cause I was like, I was wearing like my three piece suits and driving a little roadster convertible and working in advertising in Los Angeles and like this whole thing. And yeah, fast forward 10 years. It's just, it's a wild turnaround. And I think it was very confusing for a lot of my friends that have known me for a long time. Um, You know what? I mean, you're a, you and both you and your wife are, are public figures, I think would be fair to say in the slightest. Um, And you know what, what kind of reactions from whether it's, you know, maybe, I don't know, like other, other wrestlers or your fans or just the general public, what kind of reactions have you gotten to this new lifestyle or to hunting or, you know, what, what has been the feedback? <laughs> uh, that's a, that's a can of worms. Uh, so <laughs> I love cans like, of worms. Uh, yeah. Like, so in the, in the locker room uh, and among like wrestlers and friends, like everything is supportive. Like uh, I've, I've had um, conversation cause there's a couple like pretty prominent like wrestlers that are vegans and like uh, I've had like one-on-one conversations with them and, and talking about it. And like the reasons that they're vegans are the same reasons that I'm hunting. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, uh, so like we have that common ground. We just, uh, uh, we just arrived to a different answer. You know what I mean? They say, yeah. you know, whatever, uh, you know, their, their math came up one way. My math came up the other. Uh, so like you have that commonality and you can have those conversations and that's fine. Um, people online, however, I don't think are capable of having that level of intellectual conversations because when they see something that they slightly disagree with or feel is not aligned perfectly with their, uh, worldview or whatever, man, they, they just go instantly into attack mode, uh, where like Sarah, uh, the first time that she posted a hunting photo, she lost 10,000 followers. Um, like 10,000 and and it was within, within a week. Um, and like the, the, the level of people that came out of the woodwork and were the, were saying like the, the most violent and vile things to her because she, and like, we, we were very careful, like when that first, cause like, we didn't know, like we knew that there could be some pushback and we knew that, you know, like, Hey, we should probably be careful with this. And like, you know, because we're public figures, like we try to be very neutral with like any type of like, um, anything really like we're like we want to make you know we want to appeal to a, a wide variety of people because like our business is very dependent it's in entertainment like yeah. it's not my job to be espousing you know personal political beliefs or whatever like i'm not supposed to be a divisive figure i'm just supposed to be able to like you should be able to watch our product or watch me do what i do and forget about the rest of the world for, you know, even if it's five minutes, whatever, like just kind of like be like, Hey, I just want to be entertained. And like, we're going to stay there. So like when we, as, did a, with, as with, a character, you're supposed to be divisive in the ring when you're talking, exactly, talking exactly. smack, 
that's right. about as divisive right. as you get not right not as a person <laughs> sure and and so like then we're you know but we were we were very careful that like the we took this like black and i actually took the photo but it was like a black and white photo and it was like you know uh very artistic and like you, there was no blood or gore or anything like that you could just see like she was like kneeled down in front of in front of a deer and like had her hand on it and like it was uh it was a really artistic photo um it's it's on her on her instagram but like it was the first hunting post that she she posted and i mean people just came out like thousands of people were coming out to like comment and be like you know i hope you die like someone should hang you up like this and you know to you know uh like people are like you know someone should hunt you and eat you or like um uh like whatever like why don't you eat your dog like you're just an evil person and like i feel like women uh, get it so much worse than than guys do too so it's it's funny that you said that because i that was actually the next thing i was going to say because then like after that we were like all right like if people are that aggressive about it like kind of screw you like Mm -hmm. it it, like this is something that we believe in and something that you know is part of our lifestyle we're not going to hide from it anymore like if you're if if we try to be respectful about it and try to be like you know uh whatever just just artistic with it or whatever like and you're still going to react that violently uh and don't even want to have any conversation about it or don't want to respect our belief or respect our our space or whatever and you're gonna make death threats like well then we're just gonna we're gonna go hard and like the you know then i posted pictures and i had you know blood on my hands or whatever and like the level of hate that i got wasn't even probably 10 percent of what she got mm-hmm. which is crazy that like people think it's okay to like attack females like that in, you know, in the, in the hunting space, but in general, like in, in lifting, it's the same thing. We'll post a lifting video, you know what I mean? And people are like supportive of me and then super aggressive, not supportive of her from whatever, like, you know, cause she, she lifted the whole time she was pregnant. So people would be judging that, uh, after she's pregnant, like mm-hmm. they're, you know, now they're, they're judging that for whatever thing. So like it, the fact that like people think that like they just have the authority or they have the right to like attack women and disparage women or whatever, because you have the safety of the, of the computer is, is just frustrating. So like, unfortunately for like as a defense mechanism i think like what what's happened for us is like people because people ask like you know i have a conversation like this you know my our parents or family or somebody is like man how do you deal with all that how do you deal with all like people like you know all that hate online or all that you know people talking all this stupid stuff and it's just like it just becomes you become numb to it like you just, you just have to turn it off. Like either you're not reading comments or you're not, you know, responding or whatever. And it's just like, you, you just become numb to it. And the problem is you becoming numb to the bad. You also become numb to the good because then people are like, Oh man, this is awesome. And yada could you send me X, Y, Z, or could you do this thing for me or whatever? And I'm like, I'm always like, all right, like, I know you're saying this good, but like, is it really good? Or are you, you trying to get something or, you know what I mean? So it's like, it, it becomes that, like, you just become numb to all of social media, which is fine. Cause like social media is a tool that like really, I don't think people should be as, as deeply invested emotionally into it as they are. But yeah. like, uh, it's, it's a wonderful thing to connect with people and to, you know, bring people together and like stuff like that. So like we've made some great friends on social media, but at the same time, like, there's some really 
evil things said and 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 okay. done and i think i think people just use it you know if they're not happy in their life and they, they they find any excuse they can to kind of lash out and try to make themselves feel better it's just it, it it's 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 frustrating to watch people do it to her like for me I, I don't it doesn't you know you say whatever you want to me like i got thick skin and i just ignore it but like i you know it's it's harder to ignore it when it's to somebody that you, you love and care about well and it's it's wild because i'm i you know even if it wasn't for me like necessarily like worse for women which it clearly is like i've seen it across yeah. the board i've had a lot oh, of yeah. incredible women on this podcast and a lot of them have talked about that like and i mean you know we're talking like a lot of them are mothers and like oh i hope blah 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 happens to your child and this and that yeah, i'm yeah. like yeah like it, it, seriously disturbed evil, individuals evil. Yeah, yeah, yeah like evil. there is no other word for it other than twisted and evil um but like even if it wasn't worse but just seeing like i'm the same way you can say whatever crap you want about me but the second you say it about someone else i care about like my family or one of my friends or uh you know i've had people come after people that i really care about on social kind of in that same yeah, way yeah. Yep. and oh i just I won't, I won't give it a second thought if it's about me, but the second it's about someone else, I get so heated yeah. and I'm like, I have to pull myself back. Cause I'm like, they don't need me to go in and rescue them, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, right, I don't right. need to white knight this shit at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it does. It, it feels like you can, you can definitely get, get caught up in that. So like we just focus on the positive, you know what I mean? Like uh, I, I think one of the, one of the, the best things that we've done with social media is we've, we've not, back down from that like we're just unapologetically in uh we're unapologetically hunting and homesteading and we're we're going to be in that world and that's just become part of our social media like if you don't like that stuff don't follow us um you know like obviously i'm going to post about wrestling obviously i'm going to post about working out and uh, you know our son and you know other things like because i feel like people who follow us because of wrestling want to know who we are outside of the ring just as much as who they, who we are in the ring. And like, because we're, we're so passionate about hunting and homesteading that like, we're going to post about that. And I've had some really fantastic conversations with people about like, Hey, I didn't know that. Hey, I didn't know that, you know, hunting was so much about conservation or, you know, why you do a certain thing. And like, I, I really try to make sure that like I'm educating when I post or I'm educating as I talk or as I, you know, discuss things. So like with it's, it's a, it can be like social media can be so powerful and so, so positive. Uh, so I just try to focus on that and not, you know, the negative, like just kind of try to let the negative go out um, because it's going to be there. Like people are going to talk shit and they're going to be disrespectful. <laughs> There's only so much you can do. So like, no matter what, like they, these same people would never say anything to your face. Like yeah. it, it's not, you know, it's not like what they would do that in person, but like, they're just trying to get a reaction. So like by completely ignoring them, like that is a, you know, that that's the only way you can, you can get victory from empty people online. Um, oh, yeah. So like, but like with that, like we tried to, to just, focus on the positive you know what i mean just just constantly because like we do have a good life we're very happy we're very fortunate we're you know we're we're healthy we're we're able to pursue passions and like if if there are other people that like kind of take inspiration from that or like understand that or or take encouragement 
to pursue their own passions, whether they're, they align with ours or not. You know what I mean? Like that is the power. That's a positive power of social media. So like as much as it's a bad thing, it can be a good thing. So it's just like what you focus on, you know what I mean? Like I could go and find the comments and be like, man, this is terrible. And God, this, this is bad. But like at the same time, like, you know, without social media, I'm not having this conversation with you. So like, it's a, it's a thing that like, it's, it's, it's what you make of it. You know, this episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Well, it's like you look at it and social media and kind of the world we're in now, it allows you to be an ambassador to people that would have otherwise maybe never been exposed to this. And, you know, I mean, you look back, like I grew up watching professional wrestling as a kid, you know I mean? I grew up watching Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage and (laughs) Jake, the Jake, the snake Roberts and all these guys, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you Jack about, what their passions were, what they were into, like nothing like that. Like they, they were literally, they could have might as well have been Iron Man and Captain America, like fictional character, uh, you know, like that I've, that don't actually exist, like as far as people. Um, And I couldn't tell you what mattered to them. Like they had no, uh, effect on my life or anything that I, I they brought no added value to me other than entertainment which is i think it's so cool that this allows you then now to have more of a platform because you're not going to go in the ring and be like yeah i got this belt thanks to uh some some great training and uh that elk steak i ate you know get me some great right, protein yeah. that i harvested myself people be like what the hell is going on bro um, yeah I mean, I'd be, I'd be out there being like, yeah, I'll stake. But, um, you know, you're not going to be able, you, you can't do that in the ring. That's not part of the, the show, sure. but people again, that are able to follow you, it, it's opened up so much. And I think that is so cool and how you present it and the, the whole, you present such a, an awesome picture of it too, between not only, you know, the hunting, but again, the homesteading and, uh, how that all ties together. And then how you, one of the things I loved going through your social profile was all the pictures of like you raising your son in it, you know, like you're out there, you know, you're out there in your camo and you got your son strapped to your chest, you know, <laughs> or, yeah, you know, you're tending the cows and he's sitting there watching you. And it's so cool to see all of that. So, and, and I feel like that's something that's really important. Like, so, so there's two, two things right there, like to unpack, like, I, I feel like social media really has, uh, allowed us to bring that curtain back, you know what I mean? From public figures, from, from, from other people, like, and, and really kind of show that like movie, like you're saying, professional wrestlers, professional athletes, movie stars, you know, whoever, uh, it's, so, you know, somebody in a band, like you never knew anything beyond that what you mm-hmm. saw in the spotlight. Now you can really go 
deeper and and kind of pull the curtain back and say, hey, this is who I am in my real life. And this is what I believe. And this is what I do. And sometimes it's something that you want to see. And sometimes it's not. And, and that's fine. And then you can kind of make that decision based on like, oh, cool. This person isn't really somebody that I want to be following or whatever. But like, uh, for me, you know, for me personally, and for that, like, you know, personal brand or whatever you want to want to call it, like, I feel like it's really important to use that platform. And, and like, we were saying before, like educate and, and show that like, this is how we live. This is why we live. And this is why we're, we're raising our son in this environment and in this, this culture, like, you know, like I'm, I was not raised that way. Like, and that's not to say anything bad about how I was raised, but like my parents just weren't involved in the outdoors like that. Like, uh, you know, we went camping every summer, uh, and, and, you know, we play outside, but like I grew up in the city and then like, when uh, I also, you're like my reading my biography right now. It's like, yeah. it's a trip, like word for word. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like, you know, and then we moved, you know, we moved when I got a little older, like, uh, you know, we moved to the suburbs and like, I never really like I'd play outside, but like, I didn't go in the woods. I wasn't, you know, exploring or, you know, boating or anything like that. And like, you know, I had cousins that, uh, that like hunted, but like, I was never, that's not something that I ever pursued. I played sports when I was a kid and I, you know, that's what I did. Uh, I played sports. I was into music. I, you know, I did all that stuff and it wasn't until, wasn't until I got together with Sarah that I really got interested in it. And like, cause she, like I said, she grew up hunting. So she, when, when we were going to get, uh, we were, we were planning our wedding, we we're putting everything together and she got back. I don't know what happened, but thank God it did. Something sparked in her that brought her back to hunting. She got re uh, interested in it again. And I think she got this idea that she wanted to take a deer and serve it at her wedding. That was, uh, that was, that became something that she wanted to do. Uh, and like, she was like, that's what I'm going to do. And so she, uh, you know, got a, got a crossbow. She, you know, started looking into avenues of how to do it. And, um, and like, cause nobody in her family was into archery at all. Like they were gun hunters and they were, you know, whatever. And she had never actually shot uh, a deer. She was, she, you know, kind of grew up in a more traditional family values, like the, you know, grandpa and the uncles hunted and, and you would help, help on the blood trail. You'd help clean the animal. You'd help prepare the animal and stuff like that. But like, that's all you would do. Um, so she got a crossbow. She, you know, her dad had a, had a couple acres in, uh, at that time. And like, she, she was like, Hey, I'm going to come, I want to come out and hunt. And he was like, well, shit, I'll hunt with you. So he put up a couple tree stands and got himself a crossbow and they went out and they hunted for, you know, whatever, for like eight days or something like that. I mean, she was dedicated. She was like in a row, like every day, morning and night, she went out and she would, you know, uh, the one morning it was like, like, had had iced over like freezing rain and all that stuff. So she brought like a spatula to the, to the tree stand. She's scraping <laughs> ice. You know, her dad stayed inside like drinking coffee. He's like, you're crazy. I'm not going out today. And she's, and you know, but it became a mission. Like she was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take a deer. And on, you know, one of her last days there, she, she took a deer and she, you know, we, and we served it at the wedding. Like that was a big thing. Um, and like, kind of in that journey, I was like, you know, it's cool that you want to do this, but I didn't really have any interest in it. I was just like, 
you know, it's your thing. Like, I'm, I'm happy for you. I'm, I think it's cool. Supportive husband. <laughs> yeah. Just whatever. Like, you know, and that, and that's cool. And like, that's kind of how, you know, she and I, she and I work. Like, it was like, Hey, like you, you, you can do this thing. Like, that's fine. Like, but like the more she talked about it and the more she got into it. And then like, once we, we had that, had that deer uh at the wedding and i was like man like hunting is food like and and getting kind of understanding that connection that i never really got before um and then like she bought me a crossbow for christmas and and we went out and it sat in the woods and like i didn't see any like i saw some squirrels you know what i mean like I, and at that point i didn't even know if i could pull the trigger or i would pull the trigger um and like you know we talked about it and i was like hey like it's cool but like it's still your thing. Uh, and then like, she had me watch, um, you know, she was like, I, I really want you to watch meteor, uh, because you know, this guy really explains why you hunt, what, what's in it. Why, you know, what's the, what's the benefit? What's the, you know, whatever, like the, she's like his perspective on it. I really like. So between that year we got married and the next hunting season, we watched whatever, six, seven episode or, um, seasons of, of meat eater, whatever was out there. Uh, and then like, uh, was through that, I kind of find, I found Steven Rinella online. I found, you know, Cam Haynes. I found, you know, Joe, like listen to all the Joe Rogan stuff. Like, and I was like, man, this is okay. Like at that point I was in, I was like, I was like, all right, we started buying like local meat. We started whatever. And right before that hunting season, we ended up with that farm with the farm here. And I was like, you know, we, I think we moved in like, October 1st or something like that. So the hunting season had just opened in Ohio and uh, we went out and we hunted like every single day we were home. We were both on the road full time, but we were like, you know, you know this is, this is it. We're, we're both, we're, 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 we're hunting. We're, you know, this is what we're going to do. So like, um, and I don't know, it had to be my 10th or 12th sit in a row and, and just hours in the tree and not seeing anything, just seeing squirrels and, you know, nothing. Uh, I had a, I had a buck, a buck walk by, um, and, and I hit him and, you know, I, I, I took my shot. It was a, it was a good shot, but he ran really far. Uh, and I, so like, I, it's funny. Cause like my first, that's my first ever deer. I was, you know, I don't know. It was three years ago, I think. Um, and I had like, the the highest <laughs> I say like the highest highs, lowest lows mm-hmm. <laughs> all, all in this, in this situation, because like I shot, like I saw him, I, I was, I was actually, I dumped dummy. Hold on one second. So, uh, I was tech, I had texted Sarah and I was just checking in like, Hey, you know, uh, getting close to sunset. Like, you know, I'm good, but you know, I'll, I'll see, you know, I'll text you once, once the lights up, you know, love you, whatever. And I'm going to put my phone away and this deer is walking by as I'm on my phone. And I'm like, man, I've been out here for so long, (laughs) so many days and I'm on my stupid phone. I'm going to miss this deer. But like, so I like real slowly tried to like put my, you know, put my phone away. I grabbed, got my crossbow. He's walking. Uh, and like when I first saw him, he was in like a perfect shooting lane. Like I, man, I would, it was absolutely perfect, but I had my phone in my hand, not my, not my crossbow. So mm-hmm. I wasn't able to do anything about it. So like I put the, put that crossbow, you know, I put the phone away and by the time I got my crossbow and I, I got on, he was like, you know, he had moved, uh, he'd, he'd moved, he's walking. He was, you know, I don't know, 25, almost 30 yards away at this point. And like, uh, he, uh, 
And like Sarah makes fun of me for the, for the sound. Cause he was walking and I was like, I'm going to lose the shot. And like, <laughs> I, I go and, and in my head, I'm like, you know, I had like deer calls and all kinds of stuff in my backpack, not on me. And I was like, uh, I'm like, I need this deer to stop. So I end up going meh. And like, he, he like froze and like broadside perfectly. And I shot him and, and, I got so excited. I was just, I would, I couldn't believe that it happened. Uh, so I called Sarah and, I, and she was hunting like on the other side of the property. Uh, and she was like, she's like, all right, I'm coming to you. And she like gets out of her tree and like runs to my stand. And like, I'm <laughs> at least a half mile away. So she gets there and it's like, you know, huffing and puffing, like, okay, all right, let's go. Uh, you know, so we're, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 minutes after, after the, the shot, we, we go to start looking for him, you know, cause there's, I mean, there's just blood everywhere. Like this, this is a huge, huge blood trail. So you start walking and, and blood's really good. Blood's really good. Blood's really good. And then it slows down and then it slows down and then it's, and then it's not good. And then it's like pin drops. And then, uh, as we're on the blood trail and as the blood starts slowing, uh, slowing down, it goes, it gets pitch black and then it starts to rain. Like, and I mean, like, like heavy rain. So I go from the most excited I've ever been to like hands on knees. I'm going to throw up, uh, like just, Oh my God. Oh, Oh my God. I just, I just killed, you know, I just, I just hurt this thing. I didn't actually bring it down. I'm feeling so guilty. And I'm like, I'm like having like crisis of faith. Like, I can't, I can't believe it. Uh, I can't believe what, uh, uh, I can't believe what I just did. Like, you know how, and like Sarah's on a mission. She's like, no, we are going to find this deer. Like we, if we have to stay out here all night, we're going to find this deer. So like the, and like our two personalities are like completely shown in this, in what happened in this moment. So like from the last point of blood, I, I mark that I like, I leave a flashlight up so like I can see where the, where the blood is. And then I take my spare flashlight because I have one. Uh, I've also given my, my second spare flashlight to Sarah who forgot her flashlight at the front. I think I might've given her my head, man. Uh, but to where she, cause she left all of her stuff in the front of the woods because she was so excited. She ran over, just sprinting uh, over, yeah. just sprinting over. Yeah. So I give her, you know, the other light and I've got, I've got my, my backup light. And, uh, I start like a very systematic, like I start going out on like, uh, like, uh, not quite grid searching, but like, uh, like, like spokes of a wheel. Like I I just start going out and then I come back and then I come out and I go back and I'm going, I don't know, 30, 40 yards out. And then I'm coming back and I start going spokes in a wheel, trying to find the next point of blood. Sarah just starts like going back and forth. Like she just is taking it at like just full, Set like just I can just see her flashlight in the distance, like back and forth, back and <laughs> forth, back and forth, back and forth. And like I don't know what she's doing or where she go, but she's like on a mission. She's like, no, this is we're not leaving this woods. So we're combing through this wood line or this uh this little pocket of woods um where the deer had had gone. And like uh as I'm coming out on one of my wagon wheels, her flashlight uh it like we kind of like intersect and like her flashlight shines across a little like like a glowing thing white and i and i'm like and you know move my flashlight and it and the deer's down and like we you know she turns into a frat boy she's like we freaking found it (laughs) um we uh you know and then at that point like because i was i was like so upset 
that I had, I had just wounded this thing. It was my first ever deer. I was like, you know, I, I was excited to hunt. I was, I really wanted to harvest it, but like, then I was feeling guilty, but then now back to high because we found it. And I just like almost collapsed. I'm like, man, this is, wow, this is, this is, this is intense. So like, then I, you know, I, I cleaned them, gutted them, like Sarah walked me through it, but like I cleaned them, gutted myself. Like she wouldn't, she wouldn't help me. And I didn't ask for help because it was my, it was my responsibility. And then like, I dragged that deer out like 400, 500 yards from the woods to like, till we got to a point where, uh, we could get a side by side there. Um, and like our neighbor came to, uh, to help, uh, our neighbor Chuck, who, who we, we bought the farm from, um, he, he, he was so excited. He came, you know, in his side by side to, you know, we threw the, cause we didn't have a side by side at that point. We just bought the farm like two weeks ago. Um, and, uh, so we threw, you know, threw the deer in the back and get him, get him hung up in the pole barn and stuff like that. And I was just like, and then like, we took him to the butcher the next day. Uh, and like, Oh, we got the meat back. I don't know, four or five days later, whatever. And my parents came over and we served them. I cooked up deer. And we served them like a meal from the deer that I, I had harvested in our woods. And I, it like hit me like all like full can of came full circle. And like, because they're eating this, this meat that I provided and like, you know, Sarah, Sarah's eating it, but like my parents are there and I was just like, it, it really connected at that point. Like there's nothing, there's nothing like that. Nothing nothing, no, no other feeling I've ever had, like really compared to that moment of like crystal clarity. Like this is, this is right. This is good. This is, you know what I mean? Like this is, this is a part, there's some kind of primal thing that happens when you take direct connection to your food. Um, there's something, like I said, the only thing that I can describe, there's a primal satisfaction that happens um, as a human, as an animal, as a something that when you, when you, you take that hunter gatherer thing and do it for, for real, um, it's like something that I've never, I've never experienced before. And like, I, you know, I honestly like thinking back on it and being like perfectly honest, like I didn't know how I'd feel when I pulled the trigger. I didn't know how it would feel when I saw the deer. And, and I went the roller coaster, you know, I went up and down and I was, you know, freaking out and, and then happy. And then, but like when it came full circle, I was like, man, I get it. I understand. And like, we've kind of restructured our life to, to kind of follow in this footsteps. And now we're, you know, homesteading and, you know, we're going to have to, we're going to be butchering cows and, you know, uh, it's still, still ways off, but it's going to happen. And like, I know that we'll cry when that happens because, you know, like I, like I would rather suffer so that they don't, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know yeah. if that makes sense. And like, I think it's a hard concept for people to understand who like are so con- disconnected from their food. Like people on our social media that will comment, tell us like, we should just go get our meat in the grocery store where no oh, animals geez. are hurt. <laughs> yeah. That's a real thing. That's, that happens like almost every time we post something, mm-hmm. um, but you know, where no animals are harmed, go, you know, just go get the package of steak from the store. Um, and like, but like, I don't want those animals to suffer. I want them to live the most healthiest, happiest, most natural life they possibly can until the, that last moment. And I want that last moment to be as painless as, as humanly possible. Uh, so like we train like crazy 
so that we're prepared for that. And we're capable of doing that. Like where, um, you know, because that first year that I hunted, I would only hunt with a crossbow because I was not confident enough with a compound bow to, uh, to hunt with. Like I, I was, I was shooting fine at 20, 30 yards, but I wasn't confident that under that pressure, I would, I would shoot well and I, I wouldn't shoot well enough. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't willing to take that risk because of my pride, because I wanted to hunt with a compound bow. I was like, I know that I can, I can be ethical with a crossbow. So I'm going to hunt with a crossbow. Um, and, and now I'm hunting with a compound bow and I, you know, I'm feeling very confident with my setup and with my, you know what I mean? I've, I've mm-hmm. got, this is my, you know, my second full season with a compound bow. Um, and like, I, uh, very, very confident with my, with my setup and with my, you know, my arrow systems and my, my broadheads and all that fun stuff. But like, it's, it's a, it's a journey like, and, and, and I, you know, we spend hours and hours and hours of our time and we spent hundreds and thousands of dollars getting ready and putting equipment together and, you know, taking daily reps and building arrows and all this stuff to like be ready for that moment because we owe it to the animal to be as good as we possibly can. Like they're, they're sacrificing for us to live. Like I'm going to do my best to do my part and, and make sure that they don't suffer. Um, and it's, and it's clean and it's quick and it's, you know, it's ethical as, as I can possibly make it. You know, it's regardless of what your diet is and how you eat, something has to die for you to eat. Something has yeah, to life, die. Life, for, life eats life. A hundred percent. You know, for hunters, it would, uh, for hunters and, and homesteaders, there's a, a direct connection for for the the McDonald's crowd, there's uh, not that connection. It's but something still died. Whether you're buying a steak from the grocery store, um, and even if you're buying an an Impossible Burger, if you are a vegan, something had to die. Yes, okay, plants plants died, but on top of that, it all of that you know soy and and fields or the, you know that that are farmed out. Like I look around, I look around where I'm at right now there. I, I, as far as the eye can see, it's all farmland. This used to at one point be habitat for wild animals. You know, you, the milk river right over here, you know, they'd, they'd go bed next to the milk river and have water and feed and bedding and, and all of this. Now it's wide open and we see, you know, a handful of white tails and I see some pronghorn sprinting across but this is not habitat anymore. I mean, no, and so, and they lost their life, you know, secondary, they get pushed off the land, but also like, I'm sure, I don't know if you were there in time for harvest season this year, but when you, when you are, uh, anyone who says that like a, a vegetarian or vegan diet or, you know, just the vegetables that we eat, whatever are like cruelty free or like death free, don't have any concept of what farming is because like, mm-hmm. if you, if you're around for the harvest, uh, those big like combines and, and, and harvesting machines and stuff like that, well, they'll come through that field and anything small and breathing in that, in that space is dead mm-hmm. and they will chew up, you know, they'll chew up, uh, you know, fawns, they'll chew up, you know, field mice, ground mice, you know, uh, 
moles, voles, all kinds of whatever is there. You'll see, you'll see carrion birds for weeks after harvest because there's just so much death, like so much death that, that is associated with harvesting a field. I mean, we're talking hundreds of animals. So like, is it, is it more ethical because, you know, your diet kills small animals and my diet diet kills big animals. Like at what point are we talking total death? Because if we're talking total death, I only kill maybe one cow a year. You know, you kill hundreds of, you know, hundreds of, of, of rabbits for each, you know, impossible burger you eat or whatever. Like, I, I don't know. I don't I'm not saying like whatever, but like it, it's, it's a naive concept to think that any diet doesn't cause death. Well, it's a, I don't know if you watch Yellowstone at all, but uh, I, last week, actually, we actually just we just started. So we, we just finished uh, season one. Uh, I say we, you know, we don't get we don't watch as much TV as as we used to. So, like, uh, we're just getting into it. So I won't this what this won't give away anything. But last sure. week's episode, they had a there's a quote where uh, he was basically talking to a vegan and uh, she was basically she was getting on on uh, Kevin Costner about basically having cattle and you know uh, the, the slaughter of all these innocent animals and there's this quote um and it, I, I just pulled it up here he's like uh you ever plow a field to plant the quinoa or sorghum or whatever the hell it is you eat you kill everything on the ground and under it you kill every snake every frog every mouse mole vole worm quail you kill them all but i guess the only real question is how cute does an animal have to be before you care if it dies to feed you? I was, like, yeah. I was sitting, I'm like watching this by myself in my, in my house. And I'm like, yeah, what's up? Like, I'm like cheering. Yeah. My dogs are looking at me like I'm batshit crazy because right, I'm yelling right. at the team. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that was such a good. I mean, I mean it's, a, it's the truth. It's the truth, but it, it's most people don't want to, don't want to admit that or see that. And that's like that, you know, it's what we we've been talking about this whole time is that connection to your food. Like most people aren't comfortable with the weight of the fact that life eats life, you know? And like, I wanted to be like, I, I know that things have to die for me to live. So I, I want that weight. I want to feel that weight, that responsibility that of that sacrifice. Like, I feel like that's an important thing to do. Like if, if something's going to die for me to live, I'm going to take a hand in that, in that process. And like, like I said, that weight, that responsibility, that like, I'm going to take ownership in that. Like, and, and, and some people aren't, you know, capable of doing that or whatever. And that's fine. But like for me and, and my family, like we choose we choose to take part in that process and connect to that process as much as we possibly can. Like, uh, like Sarah made an Instagram post recently because she's, you know, she's breastfeeding our son. And she said she spends her whole day either being food, <laughs> taking care of her food, which is, you know, feeding our cows and doing all that stuff or looking for food, which is hunting. Like that's her entire day. It, it you know, and, the, and we've, we've also said before, like, you know, we spend our entire day making dinner, like whether it's feeding the cows or hunting or whatever, like everything we do is preparing dinner. Like it's so much more than just putting food in the, in the pan and cooking it. Like, you know, you're in that process all day, every day. And like, I think that 
that's been the biggest change like for us and like you know it's it's been a positive change and a healthy change and like something that that we believe in when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over 600 each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And I think, you know, and I want to make it clear too, like we're not saying this at all. And hopefully people have picked that up to like, to be anti-farming or anything like that. Like it's the, the idea is having that connection and people don't have that connection. So they can fool themselves into believing they're, that, that, you know, they live a perfect, you know, murder, murder free life. Uh, like, you know, and I, it's, it's crazy. Like I'm, I'm planning on going out and tilling up a field this year, this coming year, like stuff's going to happen. I mean, yeah, I'm not, I don't, I'm not going to have a giant combine, so I'm probably, you know, I'm probably not going to be chewing up any fawns or anything like that, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff burrowing down. I've seen. I've seen all the crap that comes burrowing up out of the, all the little piles of dirt that appear in my fields. And I know stuff's going to get wrecked down there, but I understand that I have that connection. I know it's part of it's to, to feed other wildlife. Part of it's to feed myself and, uh, uh, and to sustain animals that will then sustain me. Um, and it's, it's, like you said earlier, it's the whole circle of life. It's the whole concept of that connection. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited to take even more of a hand in that and, and see that over the course of this next year. It's like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm so pumped. I'm excited. About yeah, it. I'm excited for you because it's, it's something that like at each step I've taken, I'm like, man, like I wish we would have started this sooner. Like, you know, man, this is, this is so like each time we, we, there's more, you know what I mean? And like, I feel like every time we go, go through that, it's like, oh, well, we're doing this. Like, what if we, what if we do that? You know what I mean? And like, Sarah and I have this problem that like, we can't do anything halfway. Like, it's (laughs) not like we got like, we got like one cow, like we, you know, we got two cows and a bull and then quickly got a third cow. And so, and then all three of those cows had had calves. So now we have seven, you know, and like next year we're going to have more. And like, it, it's a, you know, we didn't get what we didn't start with like six chickens. We started with 18 and then quickly got more. And then, you know, like we didn't, we didn't kind of gradually go into hunting. We, you know, went full bore and you know what I mean? Like just, it, it's a, it's a thing that like, uh, yeah, we don't have a half speed and that's, that's, that's a problem. And that's, <laughs> I guarantee anyone that knows me again is laughing, listening to that because like, you know, you don't know a ton about me. My, my very first hunt that I, what I consider my first hunt, I went on a solo DIY archery elk hunt in like wow. in Idaho, just by myself. Wow. I like bombed out there. Like a, I feel like a dumbass. <laughs> but I have, I'm the same way. Like I have 
I have zero, like, I, I don't know how to dip my toe in the water. It's like balls sure. to the wall. Yeah, I respect that. Yeah. Or nothing. So I, I love hearing that. I just know, yeah, I know the second I get into the, the, the chickens start coming out this spring, uh, I'm, I'm probably going to be, you know, 20 deep. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, and my, my biggest piece of advice is invest in a good coop, uh, because like you need something that is, uh, you know, warm for them because like, they'll be good. Like if that, if that coop is airtight, they'll be good all winter. You don't have to bring them inside or put them in the barn or any, or, you know, even really provide like electric heating for them. Uh, you'll need something for, for the water we've got. Like, so for us, like our, our, your, your, your ultimate cold gets a little bit colder, but the difference between negative five and negative 40 for a, a chicken isn't all that much. Um, you know, so like you'll need to do something so their water doesn't freeze. Uh, and like when we're off here, I can actually explain what we did if you, if you want. Um, but, uh, with a good coop they're they're gonna, they're gonna be safe from the elements, which is super important, but it also needs to be predator proof because like most things in the animal kingdom have, you know, a fight or a flight option and chickens aren't good at either. Um, (laughs) so you have to protect them from everything because everything out there will eat chickens if they can, uh, raccoons, coyotes, you know, badgers, weasels, skunks come after them before skunks. Oh yeah. 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 And I I mean, and I know I've got an owl and several hawks on the property. The owl lives in my workshop half of the time. Sure. Sure. So So they all probably won't go after chickens, but the hawks will for sure. Um, Hawks are going to be probably one of the biggest predators. But like I said, literally everything in Montana is trying to eat these chickens. Uh, (laughs) And, and, and that's fine. And you just need to know that and, and kind of prepare for that. So like being predator proof is, is definitely the biggest, the biggest thing and like weatherproof, but like, that's the, so we, you know, we did like, we went and we researched and, and, and got a really good coop. And like, thankfully, like that's, that's something we don't have to worry about. Like, I, I know a lot of people that have chickens and they're like, man, I got to rebuild my coop. I got to do this. Or I got to, you know, raccoon pulled my, pulled my thing up. Like I know myself enough that I'm not skilled enough as a carpenter to build my own. Cause you know, I get a bunch of buddies yeah. who are like, why don't you just build one? Why don't you just, you know, they're pretty easy. And I was like, well, cause I don't want my chickens to die. Like, <laughs> you know, I would rather, I'd rather spend a little bit of money and cause they are, cause they're, they're my responsibility now. You know what I mean? Like the, the animals are only going to do what animals do. It's the humans that can decide to either put them in a natural state or an unnatural state. And like, that's, that's a responsibility for us. So like, you know, we're going to, we're going to make sure that they're in a natural safe state as much as we can, you know what I mean? Like as much as safe as we can make it. Uh, and then, you know, and then that's kind of on them to be, be their animal selves. But yeah, I would definitely, and a good coop is, is definitely worth, worth, worth the money. I'll tell you, I, I, you know, I won't, I won't totally bore everyone on the, on the call with all the details of my barn, but it's got, it's actually set up for a large amount of chickens. Like it's got a, a spot inside for the, uh, where I can set up a, like a heated area for the, oh, uh, that's the awesome. chicks. So they're actually going to be in, in the barn. Yeah. It's got a yard. It's got a whole section, Perfect. separate room. Perfect. It's got like the whole like liftable <laughs> gates for the, for the nesting boxes and everything. So Hell yeah. Awesome. Like, so you're set. You're I good. walked in, I was nerding out on this barn. Like that was one of the first things like, you know, you check out the property. I walked in and it was a good thing that the, the homeowner was not in there when I was nerding out on the barn and it was built in the 1920s. And this thing is solid as hell, man. It, 
Oh, yeah, upgraded since they, that's but, great. Yeah, yeah. So, and like, I get that because like our property came with like two or three outbuildings, like two pole barns and like an old, like red farm barn. But like one of our biggest things to buying the property was the, was the pole barn because we immediately were like, we could put a really cool gym in there. And like Sarah, one of Sarah's like dreams was to have like a gym, like a, like a garage gym. Like I always was just like, well, you know, I'm good. I, I like lifting with an environment and a, in a team and a, you know, whatever. But she was like, no, I want, I want a home gym. I want a badass home gym. Um, so when we moved here, we, we invested in it. We, you know, built it a piece at a time and like, you know, it was over a couple of years, but then like, then lockdowns happened and we had a better gym facility than like <laughs> most, you know what I mean? Like most like yeah. whatever commercial box gyms that you go to, like we've, we've got like amazing products, it, you know, like commercial grade, whatever gym in our garage. Cause we've got like a 35 by 60 pole barn, you know, that we converted half of it to a gym. And it's, you know, Sarah can do her Olympic lifting. I can do, you know, I can lift heavy stuff or throw sandbags or whatever, you know, whatever is on the agenda that day. But like, it's, uh, it's cool. And like for us, like when we came to the property, we we're like, wow, we could put such a cool gym in here. So I, I get that about like nerding out over what's oh, on the property. I'm, I'm doing the exact same thing in my basement right now. Like I've got a, this whole, awesome. like, it's like master bedroom sized room. And the, I, I immediately, the same thing kind of walked down. I'm like, Oh, this is going to be a big gym. And my only gripe is my ceiling. It's, I don't have tall ceilings in there. So sure, if I'm doing sure. like any sort of overhead presses, I have to, I have to find the spot that's in between the rafters. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey man, you gotta do what you gotta do. There we go. But awesome, man. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time to hop on. One thing I always like to wind down with is, so say somebody grew up like, like we did zero, you know, parents weren't into it. We didn't, didn't grow up in it. Maybe they don't have the benefit of access to a ton of people that, uh, that are knowledgeable about hunting or homesteading or the outdoors or fishing, whatever, you know, whatever it happens to be. Um, but they were always interested in it, but may feel a little intimidated. Maybe what, what advice or words of wisdom would you give someone like that? So the biggest advice that I would give people is, um, find a mentor. Uh, I think that's super important. Like for me, it was Sarah. She, she was able to kind of help me through all of those things. But like, I feel like one of the best things about social media, I know we talk, you know, bad about social media, but there's also really good things is you can find mentors like, like yourself. Like there's, there's so many podcasts out there now and YouTube shows and, you know, um, just the amount of education out there is astounding. And like, I know that, that you make a point of like interacting with your listeners and like other people make a point of interacting with their listeners to where you can ask questions. You can say, Hey, I've got this idea is, you know, da, 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 da. And you're going to take time because you want to interact with your audience and you want to build your audience, you want to build your and your stuff. And you want to commit to helping the next generation of hunters because like, that's going to help everybody. You know what I mean? Like, I think it, everything we're doing now is, is setting up for the people be, you know, that are coming next to us or, or behind us. So like find a mentor, ask your questions. And like, I think social media has given us such a good 
a goldmine of, of access to people. Like you were saying before, like, you know, you, you, you were watching Hulk Hogan, but it's not like you could message Hulk Hogan and get an answer. You know what I mean? But where like social media now makes it so like you can, you can act, you have, a, you have a, a, a point of access to people that maybe know more than you or have experienced more than you or have answers that you have questions to. And you have, you have a way to access them and a way to approach them that didn't exist in any other point of human history. You know what I mean? Like at no other point could you go, Hey, Steven Rinella, you know, whatever, I've got this question. And chances are, if it's on one of his posts, someone's going to see it. They're going to respond. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. it's, it's definitely, I feel like, the more people that I've met and interacted with in the hunting community and in the outdoor world, like there's this genuine desire to help educate and help mentor new hunters and new outdoorsmen. So like everyone, I feel like almost without fail goes out of their way to answer questions and goes out of their way to spread information. So like, if you haven't, if you have a question, you can either find a podcast that addresses it. You can find a YouTube video that addresses it, or you can, you can directly ask somebody like, it might be a comment section or it might be a, you know, a a message or Instagram, you know, whatever, whatever. But like, and then, and then you're going to, you're going to contact someone you're going to find out. And if the first person you ask doesn't, doesn't respond quick enough for you, there's, 10 other people out there we're talking about the same thing who are you know doing the same thing like i feel like that's the number one thing like if i didn't have a mentor directly you know living in the same house with me like that would have been the biggest thing for me and like um it was finding someone to ask those questions to because like you know the only stupid question is one you don't ask And, and i feel like so many people are afraid to ask those questions or afraid to like admit that they don't know something so like uh for me like one of the things that like changed and, and, and I'm going to sidetrack this real quick, but like I, I got into saddle hunting last year and I didn't know anything about saddle hunting. I was scared of heights. I, and being scared of heights is one of the reasons why I got into saddle hunting because in a tree stand, you're the only no, reason you know that harness works is if you fall, like mm-hmm. otherwise you're just kind of free floating and like, man, I hope this little rope is going to stop me if I fall you know, saddle hunting, you're tied in directly. You have, you've got constant tension, all that stuff, but I didn't know the first thing about it. So like I talked to the guys from tethered, like I had reached out and just sent them a message on Instagram and, and ended up becoming be like building a relationship with some of the guys who, who run that company because, you know, we just have conversation and I'm asking them stupid, I guarantee I asked them so many stupid questions because like, I didn't know. And this was the first time I'd ever used climbing sticks. The first time I ever used, you know, tree tethers and Lyman's ropes and all these, you know, all these different things that like come with saddle hunting. But now like, I, I feel like we've got that relationship where they ask me stuff that, you know, I've got experience on and I ask them stuff all the time. And I'm like, Hey, like, could you help me with this? Could you help me with that? You know, or, or whatever, like, and this is what I'm thinking. Like, this is the idea I have in my head. Is this going to work or am I going to fall out of the tree and break my back? You know what I mean? Like, uh, and, and I feel, I think that finding that mentor is really, really, really the number one thing. And then the number two thing, and this is, this is Sarah's advice is just get out there and do it. Whether that's like you going deep into, you know, Idaho, which is maybe a little bit on the, on the crazy <laughs> side, um, you know, but like, just a just little bit. like there's, there's, there's public land within 30 minutes of just about everywhere on the country. Like you can find, unless you live in Texas, 
uh, somewhere where you don't have access to public land, but there's a ton of public land, even in Texas, but like some of the, you know, uh, but less, less in Texas than, than other places, but like find a, a, a woodlot, even if it's three acres, you know what I mean? Find something and get out in the woods because you're going to learn something every time you go out, mm-hmm. uh, and just, yeah, just go do it. So, so then try to find that mentor, then go find some land and go do it. And then ask that mentor, Hey, I, when I went out and I did it, I screwed these things up. How do I not screw these things up next time? You know what I mean? And and you're going to learn every time you do it. Awesome, man. Well, uh, if folks want to follow along, uh, I know you guys have your YouTube channel, but then also just where in general can people find you online? So, uh, you can find uh, my wife and I do um, like you were saying a, a YouTube channel that we haven't done any, any new content on YouTube in a while. We've kind of been focusing on, on the farm and the family, but we're, we're going to be bringing some content back out. That's at Roseborg TV uh, at Roseborg TV on Instagram, YouTube. Um, we also do have an Instagram. Uh, I'm Eric E R I K underscore WWE. Um, you can also watch, uh, if you, if you like pro wrestling or if you want to just be like, who is this crazy person that's been talking, uh, for a couple hours, uh, every Friday night on, on, uh, Fox on is uh, SmackDown. Uh, so you can see the Viking Raiders and you can see me not hunting, but wrestling. Uh, <laughs> if you want to see me hunting, go to, uh, Instagram and, and we'll post some stuff up. It's, you know, it's funny. I just got to say it's, it's like this weird trip because, you know, I'm, I go through the Instagram and I pull some images to, to make the cover art. And so, you know, I'm going and I'm pulling a few like wrestling images where it's like, you know, you're, you're painted up and you're like screaming and you're, ah, you're all jacked. And then like, I'm like, okay, let's pull some. Home. And then there's like the image of you, like feeding the cows with the little hat on and you're like smiling. And I'm like, this is so like, it's like, it's like throwing me for a loop here. Yeah. (laughs) It's an interesting dichotomy. I got to say the least, but yeah, yeah. It's, you know, I'm, uh, you know, a Viking in the ring. Uh, you know, we, we also do, you know, Viking stuff outside the ring, but we're, you know, yeah, it's a, it's a lot. It's a lot. So uh, check check out the Instagram and, uh, you know, we, we we're like a three ring circus. We got something for everybody. (laughs) Well, I love it, man. Thank you again so much for taking the time. Uh, Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. All right, y'all. That'll do it for this episode of The Wild Initiative. Make sure to check out the show notes page at thewildinitiative.com. Get links to everything we talked about in today's episode. Another big thank you to Raymond for taking the time away from his family to sit down and chat. I really enjoyed the conversation. I'm super excited to start working on my own property, my own land, get some chickens, some goats, maybe some rabbits. You never know what's going to happen. But y'all make sure to go check him out. Give him a follow. See what he and Sarah are up to. Y'all that'll do it for this week. Looking forward to next time. But until then, I hope this episode inspired you to get involved, get outdoors and plan your initiative for the wild. Thank you for listening to The Wild Initiative. Please take a moment to leave a rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher and head on over to thewildinitiative.com to get show notes, check out the blog, gear discounts, other podcasts from The Wild Initiative family, and more. 